0: I think as a developer, you always try to build something beautiful. You want to make that perfect, but it it rarely, rarely starts uh, out that way. Scaling, in our case, is very, very important because you're adding our piece of code onto your API, and we first have to handle all the load that you have, and secondly, we cannot slow down your API. Those were the two guiding principles that we had when we started designing this product. We cannot slow your API and we have to be able to have the same amount of load that you have and we have to do it at cost. My name is Vedran. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Treble.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Vedran Sindrich built the tool to make it easy to understand what's going on with your APIs. All this and more on Code Story. Vedran Sindrich grew up in a small town in rural Croatia. As far back as he can remember, he's been tinkering with computers, messing around with DOS, and of course, gaming. From the very early days, computers became his passion. When he finished college, he started his own successful design agency before building his current venture. He likes to watch movies and TV shows and loves to barbecue. I learned that in Croatia, they don't smoke meat as much as we do in the States and stick mainly to pork over beef. One thing I loved that Vedron said was the best way to eat a salad is when you're having barbecue. Otherwise, you wouldn't eat a salad. When business was booming, Bedron and his team built a tool to help them track all of the APIs they were supporting. After putting it down several times and picking it back up, they finally figured out how to scale it properly and decided to finish building it and share it with the world. This is the creation story of Treble. So we like to
0: say that Treble makes it super easy to understand what's going on with your APIs. And that's like a really nice marketing term for it. Essentially, it's, it's a service and that helps developers build and ship APIs faster. So essentially we built an SDK that you add on top of your code in whatever language you want. Uh, and out of the box, we give you real-time API monitoring, logging and error tracking, automatically generated and updated documentation, API analytics, quality score, uh, and much, uh, much more. So we're like basically the swiss army knife of uh, api development if you're doing something that you know requires an api we can definitely help you understand things uh, much uh, easier and build things much faster when we were at the agency we always like to keep the theme small right so essentially it was always me kind of at the helm i like to be involved in day-to-day development i still do to this day We used to do a lot of apps and APIs. So we probably at one point got to a number of like 50 simultaneous apps and APIs that we were maintaining and updating and working with other developers on multiple different parts uh, in that ecosystem. So it really got to a point where I was basically, I would wake up at like 8 a.m. my time and go to sleep at like 11 p.m. my time and literally work uh, most of the day because by the time I would finish my day around 5 p.m. our time, you guys in the U.S., New York, LA, etc. would uh, wake up and we would have to provide support to developers there. So it became really kind of counterproductive. And especially when we worked with, with developers who were maybe remote, like in India or or even in the US, a lot of the confusion around APIs was mostly stemming from the fact that nobody actually understood nor saw how that was working or what they were doing, right? So you'd you would have a developer in the US sitting next to my client who claimed that the API wasn't working even though he didn't authenticate well, right? And he thought he did everything okay, but he didn't understand it. He didn't see what he was doing wrong. We started thinking, okay, how can we at least prepare for the day so by the time we wake up, we at least have enough data about what everybody did while we were sleeping so we can understand what everybody else will need. And we started developing this logging tool that would at least help us understand, okay, this is what happened, this is what they were doing, this is who was doing it, from where, etc., etc., And slowly but surely, we started kind of adding more and more features as, as, as we use the product on, on various production APIs. We, at that point, of course, just like everybody else, had a scaling problem. Our problem was basically we needed to be able to scale as much as the API that we were being added to. So if your API had a million requests per month, we needed to be able to handle a million times whatever the amount of projects we had. So I would essentially, in that period, until we figured that part out, I would turn on Treble in the morning when I would wake up and I would turn it off before I would go to sleep. Uh, just so it doesn't crash, uh, you know, my client's APIs and servers and etc. We, we wanted to drop the project because we never could figure out the, the scaling part. And then randomly, just basically working on something else and watching a few AVS videos in the background, I kind of got the idea on how to solve that. And I immediately said to, to Darko and Tia, you know, I, I figured it out. Let's finally build this, you know, now there's nothing stopping us.
1: Well, let's dig into the MVP then. So you start to build it. Tell me about that first product you built, how long it took you to build and what sort of tools you used to bring it to life. Uh, like I said, we dropped the product a few times
0: because of scaling issues. Like we had two problems. We were always worried it would cost us too much to scale. And we were all also worried about slowing down uh, the APIs that we were attached to. So I tried to do it like in, in, in blast, so I would work on it for like 15 days, couldn't crack it, just give up and then pick it up in like two months and try to do it again. So I would say that the figuring out the scaling part lasted like uh, three, six months or something like that. Once I figured that out, we started working on it, I would say, more intensively. I mean, we, we've been in the business for 10 years. We know how scope creep works, how, you know, how to build a, a real MVP, if you will. So we said let's let's just make an interface, you know, let's see how it works for us and then we'll take it from there. So we literally built something I would say within a month and we got the interface that we wanted and then we started slowly literally dividing things into I would say sections or uh, if you will and then knocking out that section. So we would do analytics then not only do that for like a month then do something else so i would say the entire process from start to finish of building treble to what it is i would say today was like one year of working on the side, uh, our agency. And I have to say like, when it comes to tools, we use Trello a lot. And I think if we didn't use Trello, Treble would not exist today. We literally, I would organize everything from the smallest bug to the biggest general broad direction we wanna take it into Trello. And I think it was very helpful into making sure that I was accountable enough to, to knock off those tabs when we log into Trello and see like 30 pending tasks for Treble, you know, you just inherently want to want to complete some of them. So Trello has helped us a lot. Uh, We, of course, just like any developers used a lot of GitHub, a lot of uh, Sublime and a lot of ABS.
1: With any MVP, you've got to work through certain decisions and trade-offs. And, you know, there's there's little you know, tidbits sprinkled into your description of the MVP, but let's let's dive into them a little bit. So what decisions and trade-offs did you have to make when building that MVP and how did you cope with them?
0: Like I said, I think we had like 10 years of training in order before we built uh, Treble. So uh, I say we had real experience of how to do it and how not to do it. So we really were very strict on the amount of features that, that we wanted to add in, in the MVP. And even now, like If it's a good feature, yes, we will add it, but not until we look at the bigger picture, right? So in the original MVP, we didn't actually have a lot of the features that we have today. We had real-time API logging, we had error tracking, that was like one of our core things, and automatically generated documentation. We didn't have a quality score of the API, we didn't have API analytics, we didn't have running tests, we didn't have any of that. So basically the idea is, Let's just get the data into our system and then we'll figure it out uh, step by step. And that's what we did. You know, you're dealing with a lot of code that is not your code. We always kind of said, let's try to make it work on most of the code bases and most of the APIs and we'll deal with the exceptions because there are always exceptions in the end, right? We would cover 80% of the, the cases we knew about, and then we would spend some more time after the 80% was done to, to fix the 20% that were like weird edge cases, exceptions, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Like I said, in the original MVP, we did a lot of things just to get it up and running uh, in a sense. And of course, you have to cu- catch up with the things that you didn't do. So we did uh, spend a period of time fixing those and updating those you know how that saying goes better done than perfect and I think that cannot be more true because if you're building something and you're not sure if it's going to work yes, everybody wants it to be perfect bug free, perfect look but it's better that it's done and most people will, like I said forgive you if you have a problem or error or they will tell you hey, something is working and then you'll get a chance to fix it rather than if you wait two years and, and then pump up something that people simply don't want And I think some of the ideas that are now part of Treble, like for example, the API analytics, like the quality score, these are ideas that, you know, other developers and other clients of ours have told us, hey, it would be really cool if we could get this. And, you know, that's what we did. We listened to what our
1: customers are saying. How did you progress the product from there? You've got, you know, a, a solid product, you're hearing feedback from the market, How did you go about progressing it? And how did you go about building your roadmap and deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build? I've
0: always been a strong proponent of, of, you know,
1: testing things and throwing
0: things into the fire and seeing how they come up uh, on the other end. We actually, as soon as we got the MVP running, we we talked to a few of our clients and got this up and running in production uh, APIs within like a few weeks. Once you're in production on real servers, things change, right? Whenever there's a problem, you try to immediately solve that problem, understand what the problem is. You no longer have the luxury to basically sit around, wait, think about it, etc., etc. You have to act because you are responsible for somebody else's app, somebody else's website at the end of the day. As far as the things that we missed, the bug fixes, etc., etc., I would say it was like a speed uh, crash course into some of these things that we didn't know. And, and we essentially fixed them as soon as possible. The only thing when when we were maturing the product, our clients were always a mix. So we never had only just the developers. We had like a, a steady, flow of different roles. So we would have developers, we would have CEOs, we'd have CTOs. All of them had ideas about where the product should go, what they wanted to see. So we always kind of tried to listen to all of those, I would say, three, four different worlds. You you know, we would pick what what was the most common and and most uh, repeating problem or issue that they were having and then implemented that into our product. So I've mentioned a couple of times the analytics section and, and the scoring section. This is something that actually everybody kind of hinted but they weren't using the same words right so you got to figure out what they want what exactly how etc etc and we also have to be very privacy focused of course uh, when dealing with these things so i would say we added features that we wanted to see first and foremost and then we added features that we gathered based on the feedback and like I said, the more you're it, the deeper you are, the, the better the product gets. And I think one of the advantages in our case is that we literally were the guys who were doing this on a daily basis. So we were producing apps every day. We were producing APIs every day. We were living that world. So we knew exactly what the pain points are. As far as the roadmap, I mean, with this product, the roadmap kind of writes itself, you know. Most of most of the uh, time, we we also had a lot of ideas. Clients tell us ideas. Ideas come to us in the weirdest ways. in places, but generally in terms of our broad roadmap right now, I would say we are focused more on understanding internal APIs and then in the future, we want to make, make it so that anybody can turn their internal API into a public API with a click of a button uh, because we know h- how your API works, we can literally produce you a staging or a development version uh, of your API without you having to launch servers without you or the developers have, have to do anything, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. As far as my personal pet peeve is, we want to make sure that when you see an API, you can integrate that API as fast as possible. In most cases, that means you have to understand like, you're basically, whenever you're integrating an API, you go find a client that makes HTTP requests in in any shape, way, or form, any platform. Then you need to understand what models you need uh, and what you need to send. So essentially, because we already have all of that data, the idea is that we generate a lot of this stuff for you. Our, our, our thing is we never want to replace developers, right? I'm a developer myself. I take a lot of pride in what we do, but we want to kind of help the developer focus on what matters and what they really like is writing code and not basically exploring documentation, figuring out what they're sending, what they're not, etc. etc. Those are some of the uh, broad strokes in terms of where where we plan to take the product in the next six months uh, to a year.
1: Let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that you know they were the winning horses to join you?
0: I was very lucky to have a co-founder that stayed with me, I would say, for the past 10 years, uh, Darko. So we co-founded the agency together when the opportunity came with treble he immediately jumped on it just like me so from that sense i would say we were we are in sync for the past 10 years tia who's our mobile developer uh, has joined us like five years ago she has been a huge help to us in terms of what we're trying to do on mobile with treble and and some of the other stuff that we're we're doing so i would say the core team has always been there throughout the agency these are people that will simply get the job done because at the end of the day, you need people who will get the job done and not talk about how to get the job done, right? It doesn't matter if it's like research, marketing, manual labor, setting up IKEA furniture in the office. This is the team that will do it. I can lean on any of them at any point in time. And if I'm not in the office, I know everything is still going to run relatively cool. Like I said, we watch everything to the prism of what do you want to achieve? Uh, we have one rule. We only work, uh, we'll hire you if you like what we're doing and like working with us. Because fundamentally, if you don't like what we're doing and don't believe, you don't have to work with us. You can be the best programmer. There is no hard feelings. But, you know, we're looking for people who have the same passion as we do around fixing these problems, around helping other developers make their life easier, et cetera, et cetera. So I think when, when we talk about the team, we, we look for people who like, like I don't know if I could curse, but get shit done <laughs> as you guys uh, in, in the USA.
1: Well, let's talk about scalability. So and you mentioned this early on, you know, when you're talking about kind of pre MVP or working through the using the product in your agency and, and talking about scaling. So be interesting to, to, to see where you start with this question. But did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or are you fighting this as you grow?
0: Uh, Whoever tells you they they kind of build it from day one is is lying. (laughs) So you always start by chasing that dream, right? I think as a developer, you always try to build something beautiful. You you want to make that perfect, but it it rarely, rarely starts uh, out that way. And like I told you, we dropped this project twice because we couldn't get the scale to work scaling in our case is very very important because you're adding our piece of code onto your api and we first have to handle all the load that you have and secondly we cannot slow down your api those were the two guiding principles that we had when we started designing this product so we started exploring a lot of solutions Uh, i mean just when you say scaling, you, you immediately think of serverless. So that's where we kind of inherently started looking at. I would say we use a lot of serverless technology nowadays, but I can tell you that we are at the end, we are heavy users of S3. The magic of our system is it's so simple that it's beautiful, right? It's, it's, it works because it's simple. And, and we managed to do that with AVS and, and a lot of the things that they're doing uh, in S3 and uh, we struggled a lot with that. And sometimes we even struggle today, even though we set things up truly nowadays, there's no way we would go down and impact your API or slow your API down. It's just a matter of how when we will process the logs. We've so far been able to do process every single log within uh, 400 milliseconds, which is really good for us. And we went from processing 200,000 API calls in July, I would say, to about 4 million API calls as of today.
1: Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I would definitely say that big picture, like that would be the scaling part.
0: I've been in in this business for a really long time and, and people often think, oh, you know when you see a complicated scalable solution it must be complicated it must be so hard there are so many there are so many moving parts but i think that the most profitable most functional most beautiful products are actually the simplest products in its core so i think the scaling part is something that i'm very proud of and then when we dig into small details like there are a million things that we've kind of <laughs> managed to do one of the things that triple does is essentially it detects the details of your device. So let's say you're building a, a mobile app and you have an API, right? Trouble can tell you which OS uh, are you using, your user is using, which version of the app uh, that user has installed, etc., etc. And if you can imagine that we could do all of this without actually having physical access to the device. The beauty there is we had to probably research, like, for the past 10 years, what Apple has been calling their iOS versions, how they're structuring their HTTP requests, etc., etc., in order to be able to figure out, okay, when when an API call is made, it was made from iOS 1501, and the app version is this. So I think, you know, we've, we've made a lot of good, uh, good tech uh, around this.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: <laughs> uh, I make so many mistakes on a daily basis that it's ridiculous, right? So, so it's not uh, one mistake, it's, uh, it's, it's many mistakes that we've probably made. Even today, architecturally, we still have things that we, we, we want to refactor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I would say that, that on that front, usually uh, the team keeps me uh, in check that's that's very important when you have a team that that will hold you accountable but not not in a bad way nobody's like gonna shame me but they are gonna tell me here you're doing this incorrectly this is bad this is slow this is what you should change right so I remember whenever the system would be slower than than what they are used to I would say slower than instant they would immediately text me hey I tried using it and I I got like maybe a few milliseconds of delay can you check what's going on and even to this day like sometimes they they, they're like mmm this this came into the system like 400 milliseconds later could we do it maybe faster and that's always like it's 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 I would say it's a curse right they they try to keep me in check. I try to keep them in in check as well. And I think it's okay to make mistakes as long as you're aware that that is actually a mistake. And at one point, either you will fix it or it will fix it for itself. And then you don't have control over how that's fixed. So definitely, I would recommend trying to recognize when a a mistake happens and trying to figure out how to solve it as soon as possible.
1: What does the future look like for the product and for your team? You know, you mentioned the six months to one year time frame. What about beyond that?
0: We're building right now, besides everything that we're doing on, on the web, uh, and I would say I call this the platform. We're building this whole suite uh, of mobile apps. We're building a native all-in-one mac uh, ipad iphone app for ios and again it's not going to be react native it's not going to be uh, something else it's truly uh, done uh, in- natively in swift ui by our our developer tia I think that will change the way people manage APIs, uh, understand APIs, especially on the go. I can't tell you how many times I went for lunch and, and was, you know, pulled uh, into a, a, a meeting from lunch because there was a crisis, quote unquote, crisis. And when, when we were jump on the meeting, there was no crisis. That could have been avoided only if I had access to, to the data that, that Treble uh, gives me. So I think when when we kind of ship this out, it's going to really change the way people are building, testing, analyzing APIs from from the day they start working on it to to post-production, I would say. Another one is documentation. So we're definitely more and more interested in understanding deeply, deeply how your models are structured in documentation. Our our end goal, to uh, to be honest, is to remove the need for documentation because I think people mostly When you think about how you learn things, right? Most people learn things by example. So if you're learning math, you'll try to solve a couple of equations, you'll learn it by example. When you're learning how to develop, you're learning by example, you're testing the code out, you're trying it out. I I think it should be no different for APIs. Right now, everything is kind of dependent on you writing perfect docs or, or getting perfect docs, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's in the future. It's going to be more about, hey, here's how the response looks like after you tested it. This is what you can expect tomorrow. That might change. You know, you should uh, check again or, or or be notified when that changes. The, the problem nowadays is you could have API docs that are valid today and tomorrow, you could change five different things. So it's very agile in that sense. And we're looking towards moving the needle in more from traditional ways of documenting into more example-based documentation. And I'm very excited about kind of helping speed up some of the traditionally long processes like setting up a staging server, a testing server, mocking the data from your API. I would say one of the best things that we would like to do is maybe designers could maybe create interactive demos from Sketch or Figma by really interacting with the API directly from there. So if you needed... A name, if you needed to log in, a designer could literally connect uh, these dots from like Sketch or Figma to uh, the external API and, and essentially, you know, make sure that workflows and, and testing and, and stuff like, and mockups can be done much, uh, much quicker and are more realistic than what you have uh, today.
1: Let's switch to you, Vedran. Who, who influences the way that you work? Name a CEO, a CTO, an architect, really any person you look up to and why.
0: It's hard not to answer that question from a technical perspective. On a smaller scale, I would say I admire a lot what Taylor Otwell is doing with Laravel. And, and basically, if he didn't do such a good job with Laravel and, and some of the stuff that they did there, uh, we probably wouldn't have built Treble. So I really like the open source approach. I really like the dedication to, I would say, perfection, to, to making sure things are not just work uh, well, but are actually beautiful. And then another guy who I'm I'm closely actually following is is a guy called Jack Ellis from Phantom Analytics. He's building like this privacy-focused uh, Google Analytics replacement, and he has so many great blog posts and ideas about scaling, about infrastructure, etc. So I would say a lot of them impact my way of thinking about uh, approaching problems, approaching how you how we build things, how it scales, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If I had to say on on like a bigger scale, I really like what uh, Satya Nadella is doing with Microsoft. I mean, if you think about it, they went from being the most, I mean, not the most, but pretty hated, right? (laughs) In the tech community to to now owning GitHub, uh, even competing with Microsoft Teams, uh, having like this vibrant uh, developer support with Azure and, and just the Surface devices. I mean, in general, he, I think, did a really phenomenal job uh, uh, turning the table for Microsoft and, and kind of now being viewed as somebody who's uh, also now like a really nice startup. I'm not gonna say almost like Apple, but close. Then I've been following, like for the longest time, I've been following Kevin Rose. Uh, and I don't know if you know, he, he's like the co-founder or founder of DIG. And I I always watch his po- podcast, Ignation, So I've been following him forever. He also, one of the good things about him is uh, he was also open to admitting when he failed and he failed many times and he would openly say how he failed. He would essentially describe the failure, which is I think the best thing somebody could do for you. Here is how you're going to fail and where. And uh, I think you could learn a lot from people uh, that that actually try to do things.
1: Well, we talked about a mistake, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: If you can try to predict all the architectural styles and problems that might occur before you go into production, that's probably the best advice I could give somebody and and even myself. And that's where I would start to change things if I was doing it again. Let's say we're processing 4 million API calls. I don't have the luxury to just maybe you know migrate the data and just kind of change mysql tables etc etc so i i no longer have the luxury nor the speed to to basically re-architect quickly right uh you can always do it but it's always like a very stressful thing and and painful so i think you should get the fundamentals of your product at least the core parts good and ready before you kind of move to production because once you do, like I said, it's a different ball game. You have to make sure you're up and running. You're not slowing anything down. Your customers are happy or people are happy. So I think I'd focus more on the core parts of our product and making sure architecturally they're good, even at an expense of not adding all the features. I would rather have the core working perfectly than anything else.
1: Last question, Vedran. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: You know, just get it out the door. Don't wait. Don't overthink things. Most people will for, forgive you if you do stupid things. If you have something, go go do it. Go, go get it out the door. See what it feels like. Don't be afraid of feedback. I think feedback is the best thing anybody can cast for. People will literally tell you, you know, you're doing this good, this bad, and you can get probably the most valuable information just by talking to, to your clients and customers.
1: That's great advice. Well, Vedran, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for telling the creation story of Treble.
0: Thank you very much, Noah. It was a, a real pleasure.